Well, about a year ago, I don't know, maybe the Lord already knew that we was going to be going through a lot. My mom and dad were both in the uh, hospital that was in uh, assisted living, uh, independent living, nursing home. And it turned out to be a pretty tough year last year. And uh, during that period of time, God kept just telling me to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, and, and I could go through the rest of the prayer, but I, I, I'd, I'd wake up in the middle of the night. Like today, I woke up at 3 in the morning, and I woke up saying that prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I got to thinking about that. <clears throat> this is what this story is about. Uh, you know, they were on a journey, the children of Israel, and uh, this journey was getting difficult. And I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But one of the things that God was doing to, when, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, uh, a serpent came up and beguiled them and tempted them. And uh, in the book of Genesis, and Adam and Eve sinned, and they were a part of that uh, world here, this fallen, messed up world. The Bible said, in the world, you will have tribulation. Should we, any of us, be surprised that there's tribulation in this world? That there's murders, adultery, sickness, plagues? Because there is a heaven but this is not it. It's a fallen world. And so Adam and Eve, uh, God used to just be in the garden with them, walked and talked and took care of all their needs. There's no sickness in the garden, no death in the garden, but then man sinned, and it became this ugly world without God, and the two worlds were separated. God had his world, man had his world. Man left to his own is very destructive. Very destructive. And what happens, the world goes to hell in a handbasket really quick. And what happens pretty soon, there's a flood. And, you know, there's just eight people saved out of the entire world. God sent the flood. And so we start in the book of Genesis with this beautiful story of all this great stuff. And it ends, you know, the Bible said, the wages of sin of death. The last verse of scripture in, in Genesis is in a tomb in Egypt. That's Joseph's tomb in Egypt. And God's people are in Egypt's bondage for 430 years. So man without God will end up being captivity, in captivity. Man without God will end up being destructive to one another and to their world. We go back to our worst element without God. Without God, we will not make it. You take any society on the face of the earth and you take God and Christianity out of the picture and you're going to see a horrible place to live it just is and so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to bring these two back together to bring heaven back to earth you know truly where the presence of God is is heaven right that's where heaven is Jesus said you know, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. We don't know where that place is. He said, I, you know, I'll, where I am, you know, 
you'll be with me today in paradise, is what he told the man on the cross that acknowledged Jesus as Lord. He said, Lord, Lord, remember me when you come into your paradise. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. The word paradise actually means garden. You see in the, the, the beginning picture, you see God on a throne and cherubims and this place where God is walking and talking with his family every single day. And then sin enters through a serpent and this serpent messes up the entire world. God never gives up on his people. God begins to make a way of escape. God begins now to reestablish a temple where they can go to and sense the presence of God, where Moses can go talk to God. Once again, we get all the way into Numbers, and you're finding God talking to Moses now uh, in the temple, not outside the temple or through the tent wall or through a cloud. God's talking to Moses. That's God's desire is to commune with us, walk with us, talk with us, be with us. We, last week, David done a marvelous job preaching. Can you say amen? And I want you to do some amen and like you did with him. If I say anything worth amening, okay? Amen. I'm going to tell you something, though. When you flip a page in the Bible, it just says, oh, well, that was fast. But you, do you realize that the distance between chapter 19 and chapter 20 is 37 years? 37 years. Chapter 19 is 37 years ago. What happened 37 years ago? 37 years ago, like David told you, they come up. They should have been at the promised land 11 days after they left Egypt's bondage. But they got sidetracked and they go through the wilderness. In, on their worst day, their worst trip, it should be 40 days. They get to the promised land. They sent 12 spies out. The 12 spies were there for 40 days. The, 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 and it's amazing to me that people that live in this world right here, we have a tendency to believe something. I don't know whether you've decided whether you're a negative person or whether you're a positive person. Negative people will always find something negative. They'll find a problem in every solution. But a positive person will find a solution in every problem. And so they get to this promised land or and they said, okay, we're going to let 12 of you go into the promised land and spy it out. Well, 10 of the spies come back with a negative report. What does negativity do? It spreads. It gets in the, they started telling that to their tribes and their family. It, you, there's no way we can do it. There's giants in the land. We can't make it. We're not going to make it. You know, it's not going to be good there. Two of them came back. Joshua and Caleb said, we're well able to take the land. So here's what happens. God said, okay, I brought you to this place. You won't go in. You won't go in by faith. I delivered you, for God's sake, from Egypt's bondage and all of Egypt's army. I fought your battles for you. You're standing right here at the cusp of the promised land, and you will not go in. So now for every day that you were there, it's going to be a year. For 40 years, they wondered for 40 years. This right here was just a couple of months after they left Egypt's bondage. And then we jumped. We jumped from verse chapter 19 all those years. What happens on all those years? One thing we learned that, that the people are complaining. I, first service, if you want to go back, you know, there was 14 different times the people mocked and complained 
against Moses. One of them was Moses. You know, you, if you, we were all happy in Egypt and you come down there and you got us all excited and we all was willing to leave and it's all your fault. They complain when they come to bitter waters. But they had a bitter attitude and God was taking them by the bitter waters to show them something about themselves. And so they took a branch and I believe the branch was in the shape of a cross and he threw it in the water and it turned the bitterness into sweetness. I believe we serve a God that's able to take our bitter attitudes and turn it into something sweet. He was able to take them and they grumbled about not having any food and he caused there to be manna come down from heaven. They complained about not having any meat. God caused quail to fly in and just cover the ground three feet deep. You want meat? I'll give you meat. He was able to call, Moses went out and he struck a rock one time and water started coming out of the rock. After they had complained five times, God was getting serious. One time, there was 3,000 of them. The earth opened up, and uh, 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 there was one time there's 3,000 of them dropped dead. Uh, 3,000 of them was cut down with a sword, ordered by Moses, or by God, the Levi was going to cut them down, and worship a, a, a golden calf. There was another time they were grumbling and complaining. 14,700 were dropped in the earth. There was another time they were complaining and fire fell around the camp. And fire was everywhere. And there was uh, uh, thousands and thousands of them died again. But every time, after the fifth time, Moses starts, God was going to wipe them out. And Moses would go and say, God, God, you know, I'm going to intercede for them. Moses interceded for them. So then they would do something else and complain again. Pretty soon they're complaining directly. Moses' own sister, Myra, she's complaining about Moses because Moses gets remarried to a, a woman, a Midianite woman. All we know is whatever happened to his first wife, that uh, we know that Moses, when he went to Egypt to deliver God's people, she was out in the wilderness there. And Moses said, I feel like God's not answering our prayers because I'm not obeying him. I'm supposed to circumcise all of the people and I need to circumcise my two sons. In other words, I haven't done what God told me to do. And so uh, she takes and circumcises the two boys, throws the, the, the flesh to the ground and said, I'm sick of you and I'm sick of your bloody religion. So there's now problems in the household of Moses. And we never hear about her anymore with Moses. So later on, Moses marries this Midianite woman, which would have been darker skinned. And so I don't know if, uh, if she, uh, Miriam, his older sister, had a problem with that. We don't know. We know that she was cursed with leprosy and her skin turned as white as this shirt. And some believe that she was turned that white because one of her problems was she was prejudiced against people that had darker skin than her. Another could have been jealousy because this woman... Midianite woman, she was a uh, prophetess, and Miriam was a prophetess. Well, if she's moving in, you know, you know, I'm kind of been over the women here. If she moves in, maybe uh, she's going to take my place, and she was jealous. I don't know if that, but anyway, she was struck with leprosy, and she had to be put outside the camp. And they, uh, you know, Moses and Moses and uh, Aaron and uh, Myra was doing this causing this problem against the leadership. And Moses didn't say a word, but God heard their accusations against their leader. God heard it. 
and God struck her with leprosy. And then Moses, the one that they were uh, coming against, Moses gets down and intercedes that God would reverse the curse of her leprosy and allow her back in the camp. And so God reversed that curse and let Myram back in the camp. It wasn't long, though, before there was a whole group of Levites. See, when, when bad stuff, negative stuff gets going around and complaining and griping gets going, it filters out through a lot of people. When I was in youth ministry and I traveled to churches, I could tell from pastor's kids, I could tell if they had been accusations or negative stuff about the youth pastor or the children pastor. Now the children are no longer wanting to hear that teacher. They don't want to hear that uh, point of view. They, they don't want to be a part of that. What you don't realize, with your tongue, you can curse the person that God has designed to reach your children or reach your youth. It's the truth. We see it in that story. And so now the Levites, it's all in the Levites, and that's where the Levites, God has them, they had to cut down 3,000 of them. 14,000, 30,000. Well, you say, will God do that? Yeah, God will do that. I got up looking the other day at a passage of Scripture. Then I see somebody put something similar to it on the Internet. But we often quote Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name. Some people said, I don't know that God would be involved in anything like what's going on in the world today. 2 Chronicles 7, 13 said, when I shut up the heavens. Who's shutting up the heavens, folks? God. Remember when Elijah said, okay, because y'all are acting this way, there's not going to be no rain for three years. There wasn't no rain for three years. He said, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land. Or send plagues among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. I'll open my eyes to them and my ears to attend to their prayers that are offered in this place. What happens in chapter 20, which is 37 years after the message David preached last week. Now, the first thing happens in the, the first verse there is Myra dies. And she dies at 127 years old. Well, she had to die because she wasn't going into the promised land because she, she had become a part of the negative problem. And the first generation, when they got to the promised land, they wouldn't go in. And so God said, okay, you can just wander in the wilderness until you die. Are there ever any consequences for, by not following God? And so Myra dies. Well, then you get to the end of this chapter, chapter 20, toward the end, the 26th verse. Then Aaron dies. He dies at 123 years old. What you don't, you may not see there, but the ten spies died. The ten spies died. The ones that said, we can't make it to the promised land. 
So whether you say you can or you say you can't, you're right. If you don't have faith in God to believe God's going to do what he said he's going to do, then you'll do without. You doubt, you do without. And so we find out that Miriam dies, Aaron dies. The other thing is, God told, they were God a gripping again, and they're wanting water, they're complaining, but this is not the first generation because they're dead. We find that the second generation is griping, and their gripe sounds a lot like they're quarreling. And it said, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me, what happens there? God says, Moses, he said, Moses said, the people are thirsty. They want something to drink. He said, I want you to go, and I want you to speak to the rock. Now, the first time he provided water out of the rock, he struck it one time. Well, the second time, he said, I want you to go to speak to the rock and the water will start coming out. You need to think about it. If you saw a miracle like that every day, manna every day, uh, you know, quail every day, water coming out of rock, you'd think that that'd be enough miracles to make you trust in God. Well, Moses is so upset with the people. He's so upset with their negativity. They're griping and complaining. This is the second generation. The first generation has already died in the wilderness. But the second generation took on the same griping and complaining as the first generation. Tell me what goes on in your household does not keep going. It does. And he said, then God said, okay, because Moses, you and Aaron, because I told you to speak to the rock and you struck it twice. And you said, must we bring water out of the rock? Talking about Moses and Aaron, you're not going to the promised land either. And so you don't see it in this chapter, but actually at the same time, Moses dies. You have Aaron die, and right after this, you have Moses die. We won't read about Moses dying right before he went into the promised land until we get over to Deuteronomy, but he dies. So now you've got the end of the first generation. They die. Now the second generation, they've got to make up their mind. But there's one more. I want to talk about one more uh, plague that comes upon the people. Because of their griping and complaining, God sent fiery serpents. I got a looking at something, and I kept saying, God, what are you trying to teach me about this kingdom thing? And uh, it just keep, kept coming to me over and over. I believe that we're, by our tongue, we either can bring a little heaven on this earth, or we can bring a little hell. This sermon's called, God Prepare Me to Be a Sanctuary. I almost called it, God, I, I almost called it, Get the Hell Out of This Earth. I didn't think some of y'all would like that. But literally, what God is trying to do is get the hell out of this earth. Well, where is there hell? Well, evidently, you can cause hell to come upon you. You can be a little hell raiser. There's a country song. I'm the only hell my mom ever wrote, raised. The, James tells us that your tongue can bring hell. He tells us in uh, James 3 and 6, it says the tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is set on fire by hell. i got to think about that. 
Am I participating in bringing hell upon this earth? Am I bringing negativity upon this earth? Am I a part of the discouragement on this earth? Am I a part of that? And evidently we can. We can bring the fire of hell. You know, some of you have been through hell. Some of you have been through marriages that failed that was hell on earth. Some people tell you, don't ever go through divorce, it's hell. Some of you have been through cancer that it was hell. Some of you have been through financial hell. Some of you have been through uh, growing up, you've been abused as a child, you went through hell. Some of you were in the service and, you know, I've seen these little signs when I... When, when Jesus comes, I'm going to heaven because I've already spent my time in hell. Evidently, there's some displays of hell here on earth because the earth and the God of this world is the devil. And God is trying to bring heaven back onto earth where God rules and reigns every day in our lives. And physically, we're still in this earth. Jesus is his final prayer in John's writing. He said, Lord... I'm not praying that you take them out of this earth. I'm praying that you send them in the earth with the power of your Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and breathed on them the Holy Spirit. They went into the, uh, the, to the upper room. And in the upper room there, they were waiting on the Lord on the 50th day, the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit come down like fire and set upon them. And finally, what God had started in Genesis was happening now. They had heaven on earth. Because where your presence is, Lord, is heaven. Jesus said, where I am, you're going to be. Did you know the word paradise means garden? In the, in the book of Gen- Revelation, it talks about this garden. Jesus went back and reversed the curse in the garden. God is trying to get us to realize that in, by the blood of Jesus and because he died on the cross, we can call down heaven. Jesus' disciples said, God, you want us to go over there and call down hell on them? Fire and hell on them? God said, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to go witness to them, love them, care, and call down heaven on them. I was thinking about this fiery serpent. They talk about he, God sent a fiery serpent. You think, well, God, why would you send a serpent? The only thing you read about a serpent in the garden, the serpent bit uh, Eve. She bit her thinking, caused her to doubt the Lord. And the, the serpent was cursed. Now, M- Moses, these snakes are biting God's people all over the place, uh, and they're dying. And, you know, we read in the the Bible the very first time that the people actually uh, say to Moses in the sixth verse that the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. Who sent them? The Lord did. Among them, and they bit the people, and many of the Israelites died. And the people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. That's why some of you will never be in the ministry. Because in the ministry, God will make you sometimes pray for the same people that's been stabbing the knife in your back. That's been backbiting about you. That's been putting you down. 
And you know, you're, you, some people, they'll never be used by God because many times the person that's hurt you most in life, God wants you to go to that person and reconcile that person and love that person and sacrifice that you bring heaven in that a devilish life. He wants you to pray for those that despitefully use you. He wants you to pray for your enemies. That's not, that's not, that's not right, right? That must be in some other uh, dimension. Yeah, it's in this dimension right here where Jesus has come. A dimension where we love people that don't love us, that we care for people that don't care about us, where we pray for people that could care less about us. We pray for them because we know this is their only hope. Is heaven on earth. And so, as Moses is praying, God gives him the answer to the dilemma of the serpent. God says, here's what you're going to do, Moses. This is going to fix everything. I want you to get some brass, and I want you to take that brass, and I want you to beat that brass in the shape of a serpent. And Moses is probably going, hey, God, that's, that ain't right. You know, why would we beat this brass into the shape of a serpent? Why not a dove, a nice little dove, or a, uh, you know, what about a lamb or something? Why would you ever want to use a, uh, a serpent? And he wanted him to beat that serpent or beat that brass. That brass had to be beaten, had to be beaten into the very uh, thing that was biting them. And I, I was looking at that passage there and you start realizing that that's exactly what God does. God takes the very thing that's hurt us in life, that fiery serpent, and God has us to take that thing, and he uses that very thing in our life. And I started looking about Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was bruised for our iniquity. He was smitten for us. You mean God's going to use the very thing that was biting them, and in that curse is going to be a blessing? Absolutely. In the curse... It's going to be a blessing. And you go, well, how could the snakes biting them turn into a blessing? Because they had never really looked at their sin and their problems in life from where it really came from. They never realized that all the problems they had, the bondage they had, the captivity they had, all the problems they were having was caused by the serpent. It's that nature of the serpent in them causing them to complain, causing them to doubt God, causing them to miss out on the promised land. And for the first time, they said, we have sinned. Not Moses, not somebody else. It's not my brother's fault. It's not my sister's fault. It's my fault. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. You know, no drunk, no drug addict ever gets anywhere until he comes and he hits bottom. And it's now not his mama's problem or his daddy's problem or cultural's problem or the fact that they were in Vietnam or because they were abused as a child. They go, no, it's me. It's me. I need help. I need help. And that's when they get help. The curse ends up there's something in the curse that becomes the cure. So we find that Jesus, we find that they take this serpent and they put it on the pole. And Jesus said, when they look at that beaten serpent, and if they'll look at that beaten serpent, 
if they're bitten, and if they'll look at that beaten serpent, then they'll be made whole. And Jesus, we find that he was bruised for our iniquity. He was beaten for us. Jesus became sin for us in his own flesh. Man had sinned. Jesus became man. Jesus became sin for us. A person that knew no sin became sin for us. He became what we were that we might become what he is. The great exchange. I think about that. God has always done that throughout the Bible. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. Moses lifted up the serpent that was bitten for those that had been, that was, had been bitten. One of the things I found out, you know, when you get bit by a snake, you know how they cure a snake bite? They use the venom and they're able to take out of the venom the serum that brings the healing for the snake bite. God does that. The Bible said, well, you know, the people said, well, God would not use that kind of sign because that represented a curse and all that. The Bible said the law of the Lord is perfect, the Bible said, converting the soul. But the law could not do what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. And God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. God sent his son in the likeness, in the shape of the very thing that he came to destroy. He took on him the form of sinful man. Even as Moses lifted up the service in the wilderness, shall the son of man be lifted up? And if I be lifted up, from this earth all men will be gathered unto me. See, there's always a cure. And many times it's hidden in the curses that we go through. The Bible said, what's this? There is no temptation. There's no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. There's a lot of common temptations in this fallen world right here. A lot of common temptations. But he said, there's not one temptation that has taken you, you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able? Watch this. But with temptation also make a way of escape. So I want to tell you, within every one of our temptations, there is a way of escape. There's a way of escape. And, you know, I, I think about God does this over and over again. A big old Goliath come and he was defying the, the children of Israel and the God of Israel standing up there with his sword. He was challenging, is there anybody, any takers in Israel that will come and fight me? Big old giant Goliath. And David, you know, they were going to armor up David. David said, I'll do it. And they were going to armor up David. And the suit was too big, the sword. And so he goes, no, I'm going to go in the name of Jesus. I'm going to go in the name of Jesus. When I go in the name of Jesus, he's going to deliver that foul, that giant. He's going to fall. And it, the thing is, David took, put those stones, swung around, hit the giant in the head. And that same sword that was being promised to cut off David's head, David uses that same sword to cut off Goliath's head. Watch out. God may take your worst ordeal in your life, your greatest temptation, your greatest failure. God may be brewing inside of you the serum to help somebody. God was using Moses. 
Moses was being done all kind of nasty ways, but Moses, for a long time, he just kept on letting God build the serum. Moses would intercede for God, and he would intercede for people that were treating him awful. The Bible said, don't be surprised when these things happen to you. In James' writing, it said, don't be surprised when in this life that you have fiery trials. Why? Because we're living in this hell of a world where there's fiery trials, there's fiery tongues, there's fiery discouragement, there's fires and serpents and, and discouragement. That's part of the life that we live in. I, I look at, uh, you know, Moses. Moses was somebody's, you know, Moses failed the Lord. Moses done all kind of things wrong. But Moses, Moses was somebody's venom but he was also somebody's serum. Another thing, Jonah. Jonah, God wanted to use Jonah. I don't know why. But God told Jonah and to, you know, I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah disobeyed the Lord. And so God said, hey, Jonah, I'm sending you anyway. I'm going to send you down to Nineveh because there's a group of people down there that are disobeying me. Well, I want to ask you something. Why would God use a disobedient servant to go reach a disobedient city? Because the serum is in Jonah. Jonah knew what it was like to be disobedient. He learned about the consequences of being disobedient. He had been down to Joshua running from the Lord. He went down in the ship. He went, was thrown out of the boat and went down into the water, down into the belly of a well. And I want you to know when you disobey God, you're going down, 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 down. Moses finally lifted up his eyes to God and said, God, get me out of here. I'll do whatever you want me to do. By that time, he'd been in the well for three days. His skin was bleached white from the acids of the, the well or the great fish. The well of the great fish kind of went up onto the shore area of the shore there and vomited him out. You go, that's a horrible way to come out of a fish. There's one other way that's a lot worse. And so he puts him out. Here Jonah comes walking out all bleached up. This disobedient servant comes walking up on the shore. Their God actually was a fish God. And so now they see out of that fish... Uh, uh, this spirited looking thing coming out and tell them to repent and the whole city repented. God has a way. God used uh, Jonah. He used Jonah even when Jonah didn't want to be used. Aaron. Moses is up on the mountain interceding, talking to God, getting the Ten Commandments. He comes down the mountain carrying the Ten Commandments. He looks down. And he sees them down there worshiping, having a party, buck naked, dancing around naked in front of a golden calf they'd made, which was one of their old gods. He threw down the Ten Commandments, broke all the Ten Commandments in one day. And he went and he said, he was just cussing mad, really. You ever get that way? Last week, this week, today, Moses got upset. He got angry. Moses had an anger problem. I don't know if you realize he killed a man. He threw down the tablets. He struck a rock when he should have been speaking to it. He had an anger problem, but God used him anyway. Because God was taking Moses in his imperfected way. And he was turning him into venom to some and serum to others. Those that would listen to him would be healed. Those that wouldn't would be rejected. But God said, hey, I, I got Moses. Hold on. Don't, get, don't freak out, Moses. 
you done broke all the Ten Commandments. Hold on, Moses. I'll fix the Ten Commandments for you in a few days. Moses, I've got, I've got a cure. And Moses said, well, where in the world's that? He said, you see that naked man down there? That bro down there, that naked man calls Aaron? I'm going to make a high priest out of him. I know he ain't got no clothes on now right now, and he's worshiping him in a calf, but I'm sewing him some clothes right now. When I get through putting these priestly garments on him, he's going to be able to come into the holies of holies. Folks, I'm going to tell you, Jesus is our high priest, and Jesus has clothed us with his righteousness that we might be the temples of God, that we might be the dwelling places of the Almighty God. God took rebellious Aaron and made a high priest out of him. God, there's not a one of you in here that God can't use for his glory. Now, there's another one. You know, Peter, Peter was always sticking his foot in his mouth, doing something wrong. And uh, Jesus said, I'm going to use you, Peter. You're going to be one of the pillars of the church. And, you know, Peter, he, uh, he, he got caught up in this world right here. He got afraid. He got fearful. And uh, so when they come to get Jesus, you know, he cut a guy's ear off. And he done all kind of crazy thing. But then Peter, when they actually come, to, Peter said, I'll die for you. That's how, how bad I am. And so when they come to get Jesus, they took Jesus and Peter standing now far off. And they come up and they said, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And he began to curse. He began to curse and said, I never knew the guy. I ain't one of his disciples. And he cursed where his language was like, well, that, that guy, the way he's cursing, he, he's cursing worse than a sailor. And he said, I, you know, that guy can't be one of the disciples. And while Jesus was being beaten, Peter was cursing the Lord that was being beaten. But God said, that's all right. When Jesus rose from the dead, he said, go tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee I still got a lot of work for them to do. And he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why? Because Peter had already disqualified himself by his behavior and his lifestyle. And he figured, I'm just going to go back into the world and do some fishing. God said, no, you're not. You're denying me three times. I've been building serum in you. And you tell Peter to come too because I've got a job for Peter to do. On the day of Pentecost, he's going to give the inaugural speech from heaven. And 3,000 people is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not through with him. Some of you think that God can't use you anymore because you got divorced or that you've been away from God for a while or you've cursed or, or you've practically become a drunk or uh, you're using too many... Uh, medicines and whether legally or illegally God's calling is without repentance God's still got something for you to do I'm praying for the church to become heaven on earth every Sunday we get here it should be like heaven and earth coming together and we get caught right in between the smack where God kisses heaven or earth from heaven we are to be so energized by the presence of God that we can't wait to get out of here Sunday afternoon because we're fixing to go back into our world. He said, where two or three are gathered, I am in the midst. He has prepared you to be a sanctuary. In the Old 
Testament, there was a time that the, the temple, the tabernacle, had respect. They know that is a place where God dwells. And at that time, if anything was happening, if you could run, get to the tabernacle, or you could run, get to the temple or the sanctuary, you would be safe. Me and Sharon, we went to France. There was a place there where Rome was being overthrown. They moved the whole Vatican to France for 19 years. I don't know if you knew that or not. But this whole city's got a wall built around it. And it's got a big old tall wall. And they could, they could man the wall as a watchtower and watch for the enemy. Because they were under siege many times. But the people that were under siege, they could run to that temporary Vatican. And they could run in there. And they would be found a sanctuary city. You know what God has been laying on my heart? There is so much negative, garbage, crap going on in this world today. You can't watch nothing on TV that ain't just pure out garbage, Harley. There ain't hardly anything on the net, internet that's just pure out garbage. Every news channel is negative, 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 negative. You come to church, no wonder you're dragging in. You've already had it out this week with somebody, this person or that person. Instead of bringing heaven to your environment, some of you may have brought a little hell to your environment this week. You didn't say the right thing, didn't do the right thing. Well, it, you won't be the first because it happened to Peter, it happened to Aaron, it happened to Moses. But God is calling on us to call down, God, God, thy kingdom come. We're all sitting around, well, when Jesus comes back, we're going to heaven. What if God's calling us to call heaven down now? What if God's calling us to be the sanctuary? What if God's telling us, out of you go to work and everybody in the place is negative? What if you're supposed to be the sunshine in a dark place? What if your light is supposed to shine out? What if you're to be the healing? Jesus said, if there's anybody sick among you, call on the elders, get two or three of them together, send them out over there. They are going to pray the prayer of faith, put some anointing oil on them, let them pray for them, and the sick will be healed. They may not come here. The people in this town, they may be so bitten by the serpent of this world. They may not. This is the last place they want to come to. But God says, go out of here and be somebody's sanctuary. Be somebody's hope. Be somebody's help. One of the most depressing places, and not because the people there wasn't trying and working hard. There's some depressing places on this earth. I done jail ministry for like three years when I lived in Cleveland. So depressing. I hated to go in there every time, but I was going, I'm going to bring a little hope. Used to be people went and had church services in jail houses. During this time, our mom and dad was in the nursing home. I feel so sorry for those nurses and those people there in the medical field. They're going through hell on earth right now. I was thinking, you know, I wish I could sing better. I'd go there and I'd have a church service at the nursing home. You know why? You go, well, they probably wouldn't be but three or four they bring down there because the rest of them may not even know they're on the planet Earth. But there's three or four people that might have a little sanctuary. They might have a little hope, a little happiness for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Maybe you could take a little bit of what you receive here and take it in this world. 
Because eventually when we call on God's reign, God, we want you to reign on earth as you did in heaven. God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, give us our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, God. We go through this thing. We're wanting God to become God here on our earth. Where's your part of the earth? What part of you're in? Your part of your earth may be a dark place. God's calling you to be the light in that dark place. To be the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. God, come. God, make us your sanctuary. I'd like for the team to come on out. We find God using the very worst things in those human beings to bring the cure. You know the best person you need to talk to if you're going through a divorce? Somebody else has already been through one. You go, I sure hated when I went through that divorce. Wasn't what I dreamed of. It's not what I wanted when I said I do. Or until death do us part, but it happened. And there's somebody you know, probably at work, going through the same hell you went through. And now you can be their help. You can be their hope. You can be their serum to help them get over the bite of the serpent in their marriage. Some of you may have been abused as a child. And you've not even been able to say anything or speak anything about it. You just went through it. You've dealt with it. But I'm telling you, there's nobody better to help somebody going through that than you. Somebody's been through cancer. Somebody that's been through rejection. Somebody that's been through something. You've been bitten. You know, your finances have been bitten. You went bankrupt. There's nobody better to tell somebody, what well, I understand where you come from. You know one of the greatest financial advisors today on the planet Earth is a guy that went bankrupt, Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, I heard him this week, so the hardest thing for me to ever do is take my little shingle down and walk out of a building that I helped to build and make it. I had a great business going, now I'm bankrupt, and I'm going back and I take a card table and set it up in my little room of my house, rental house, because they took everything I had because I went bankrupt. And you know what? He took the bite of that serpent and he recharged and called on God and he let that bite become the serum and he goes, I will arise again. I will survive this bite of bankruptcy. I will turn it around. I'll turn it around. I'll turn it around. Now there's like 20 million people listen to every one of his little radio programs telling people how to get out of debt. People want to hear from people that's been bitten and made it through. If you're trying to diet, find somebody that's been overweight and, and, and got through it. If you want to get out of drugs, find somebody. You know, Jim, we've had, we've had some uh, large uh, Celebrate Recovery, and it's got down small again. That's what happened. It comes and goes. It comes and goes. But you know what Jim's told me? If we had anybody come or call that needs help, Give him my phone number. Why? Because he knows. He knows. I know people he's personally walked side by side with, and they're doing good this day. What is it that God, what area of your life has been bitten and, and drawn down into the gutter? What part of your life does God want to redeem? You know, they had never got to the place they repented and turned until the serpent bit them.
Well, I'm telling you what, I do believe in plagues. You go, well, do you believe this COVID is a plague from God? I don't know. I, I, if, if, if it were so, that don't mean if you got it that it's, you're evil. Because I had it, and I'm not evil, I don't think. You know, after I had it, now I kind of got a serum. I've got a, uh, I've got a little bit in me that keeps me from being as likely to get it again. So what I've been through is helping me go through what may come next. Your journey, this journey of, of these years in the wilderness with getting something out of them and getting something else in them for the glory of God. God wants us to become His sanctuary. I want us to stand at this time. i like our prayer team members to come. And I want us to sing this old song. God, prepare me to be a sanctuary. God is calling this church to rise up, repent, turn, and become a sanctuary to this dark world. I don't know what part of that dark world you can affect. I know there's people, they're a light in a nursing home right now. I know people that they're a light in the business world. They're a light in the place they work. They're a light. They're a sanctuary for people. God wants to bring his kingdom in your home, in your house, and in this world. He wants to make a sanctuary out of me and you. Let's let him do it. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray today, God, that you would humble us, Lord. Lord, our problems today, it's not our mama's problem, our daddy's problem. It's not our brother or sister. It's not our past. It's what is. It's the serpent bite. It's the serpent bite. It's the devil. It's the demons of hell. It's this fallen nature. It's this world out of control that's destroyed and come to kill, steal, and destroy. God, I repent of my participation in it. And God, I want to move up a little higher. I don't want to be people's hell on earth. I want to bring heaven here. I want to bring your kingdom into everyday living in my life today, Lord. I pray for heaven to come. And hell to get out of this earth. In Jesus' name. That we tread on serpents. That we tread on them. By the power in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.